Hello, my name is Ashley Balin, and welcome to Baby Puppy, the parenting podcast for anyone raising a human or fur baby. Now, before I start getting angry emails from people in the dog community or parenting community about how different raising a dog is from a child, trust me, I know, I know, I'm not saying they're the same at all. But as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant and a mother, there are a startling number of similarities. I've applied strategies from my dog training education and experience to parenting with great success and vice versa. From the early days with an infant or puppy, dealing with teething, crate or crib training, socialization and language acquisition, to nutrition, anxiety, coping mechanisms, independence, confidence building and more, it's impossible to deny a crossover. On each episode of this podcast, we'll explore a different topic and speak with a parenting expert to gain insight, strategies, and advice while comparing them to my experience working with dogs. Join me on this journey to raise confident, empathetic, respectful, happy, and healthy dogs and humans. On this week's episode, we had our first ever call-in. I've been wanting to open up the show to invite parents and guardians of both kids and dogs to submit their questions and challenges for quite some time, so I was so thrilled that I finally did it and think I'm going to probably dedicate the next few episodes to family dynamic concerns. This pandemic has changed so many aspects of our daily lives. While it's allowed us to slow down and spend more time with our kids, It's also added financial stress for many, created feelings of isolation, increased anxiety, upended our routines, and intensified many pre-existing concerns. So many of my clients have seen the effects on their dogs as well due to the lack of socialization, lack of independence, and the safety of the routine and activities they were accustomed to. So I want to use this platform to help some of those families and encourage anyone with questions to please shoot me an email and I'll be happy to send over some tips. But now let's get to my conversation with Jolene, mom of two human children, as well as an adorable pandemic puppy with separation anxiety. Enjoy. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Ashley. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited about this because up until now, as uh, as the listeners of this podcast know, every one of my episodes has had a specific theme and then I've had a kind of a, like an expert or a special guest that specializes in that area have a conversation with me. But this is the first time I've had a call in with, with a guest that has a behavioral concern that they want to address within their own home. So I'm really excited about it. Yes, this time you get to be the expert on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, usually I'm the dog expert and then I have a parenting expert, but but this this episode is going to just solely focus on on dog behavior as opposed to parenting. Although it might end up <laughs> going to parenting as well. I was going to say I'm sure I could ask you some questions about parenting. <laughs> well, I, I am definitely not a parenting expert. <laughs> That is for sure. What I do know is that there are a lot of similarities between yeah. dogs and at least young children. So I, I have a, I have a, a, you know, a pretty good idea about how to address specific issues when it comes to kids like under five. <laughs> I, I, I already see so many similarities. Oh, oh yeah, it, it's so fun. Well, that's the entire premise of this show is that you know from the basics like teething and crate training and uh, like socialization and separation anxiety and all of these things, there are so many similarities between young children and puppies. It's, it's crazy. 
I, I've actually said a few times to friends, I feel like I'm back in the newborn stage again. <laughs> I haven't been there in a few years, but here I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. Having a puppy is very similar to having a newborn baby. It's, yeah, the only difference is that you can leave a puppy at home by itself, which is great. <laughs> We will have to get to that in a second because I haven't done that yet. And that is why I need you. Okay. So so let's just start quickly. What What is your name? So my name is Jolene Sunshine. And how many children do you have? I have two kids. I have an eight-year-old who's in grade three and a five-year-old in SK. And you have a new puppy. I do have a new puppy. He's an Australian Labradoodle and his name is Chip. Okay. And how old is Chip? He is four and a half months. Okay. So he is a pandemic puppy. Well, yes and no. We were actually supposed to get a puppy pre-pandemic and had to delay because of the pandemic. So this was actually a long time coming. Okay. So, he, so it's not a planned pandemic puppy, but, no. he, ended up, but he ended up being one. Yes, exactly. The, the reason that I ask is not not because I want to know whether you jumped on a trend or not. But <laughs> I, do feel, I do feel like I have to uh, justify myself. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not really asking for that reason. I'm asking because there are specific behavioral issues that are starting to emerge from the puppies and rescue dogs that have been adopted during the pandemic. So it's just a, it's a, just a piece of information that will help me kind of put all of the pieces together. Yeah, I I would say that because we got him in September, um, when like there was less restrictions in place at the time, he has been out kind of socializing. He comes with me to school, pick up and drop off. He meets children and other puppies. Like that, the socialization part for him is actually going really well. I would say it's definitely okay. That yeah, I mean that's great because that's definitely one of the one of the major concerns. Uh, not just in terms of socialization, but also in terms of just following a regular routine. Because typically people are working from home now, so the dogs are at home alone less often. You're not having as many guests to your house, so they don't become acclimatized to having strangers coming in and out of the house. Uh, So yes, but I want to know, I'm not going to go into all the possible problems that might emerge. (laughs) We only have so much time. (laughs) I'm more curious to know what the specific concern you're having at at this point is. So for me, I would say, um, you know, he's such a loving and lovable little guy. Um, He's so sweet natured, but it's almost a blessing and a curse because he is so attached to us and in so much need of attention and it's creating I would say like a bit of separation anxiety so anytime I get up to leave a room if he's napping he wakes up and follows me out of the room if I go to a different floor he's with me and so because of that I have tried to leave him at home and it hasn't gone so well he was just howling the whole time so I just kind of would love your perspective on the best way to go about kind of easing him out of this kind of real attachment that he has. And I would say more so to me than to anyone else in the house, but, um, but, but he does have that a little bit with everyone else. Um, And and then as an extension of that, because he so kind of wants that love and he's also really, he, he loves the attention, but to the point where it's a hindrance 
on some other things like when we go for walks and he's jumping up on me and all he just wants is my attention instead of to exercise and be out walking and stuff like that. So um, those are kind of the, the concerns that I have at the moment. Okay. So there's, there's a number of things that I want to unpack. Uh, the first question is, you got him at eight weeks or how old was he when you got him? Eight weeks. Yeah. Okay. And did you, when you first brought him home, how did you go about potty training? Did you crate train him at any point? So I tried to do daytime crate training and it didn't really work for us very well. Um, we, I've, I just found that my kids were so excitable with him that anytime they walked in front of the crate or did anything or um, it was hard to kind of keep him in there and keep him settled. So we did crate training at night and that's where he still sleeps in, in his crate. Um, and that did help with potty training, but, but he doesn't nap in the crate during the day. Okay. So when he was younger and I guess between eight weeks and he's now about what, like 18 weeks. So yes. Had, okay. So yeah. you've had him for about, about two and a half months. So over, over that period of two and a half months during the daytime, does he have any type of physical uh, boundaries, restrictions, safe spaces that are specifically for him? Or is he just a part of whatever's happening within the house at all times? He's mostly a part of what's happening in the house at all times. Like, so I work from home and he, um, I, I work in like my chair in the living room. And then he, if he wants to sleep, he sleeps under my chair. So that's kind of like his safe space, but it's not really a carved out his own area. Okay. And the crate that he sleeps in overnight, is it accessible to him throughout the day or is it in a room that has a closed door? It is accessible, but it's upstairs in our bedroom. And I would say that because I'm downstairs working, he wouldn't normally go up there without me. Right. Okay. So it's not in an area that he would be spending time in other than overnight. Right. Exactly. Okay. And you said that if he's sleeping, then when you get up and walk around that his sleep is automatically disturbed because he's anxious about ensuring that he's with you at all times. Yeah, exactly. And, and then so if I move to the kitchen, he'll kind of plop back down and fall back asleep there, but he won't just stay asleep if he's sleeping under my chair. Right. So if he's sleeping and you have to just like run to the bathroom quickly, he doesn't ever just remain sleeping. Oh, no. I have a shadow and I go to the bathroom. <laughs> so it really is like having a two-year-old. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but the difference is that when you have a two-year-old, you people often have either like a gated, like a separate area with a baby gate that's like a safe or yes space for the toddler to play in or you have a crib that you can like plop your child into and run and take a shower or do something but it sounds like your space isn't set up to have any safe spaces for him to go that's separate from you during the day right so because he has access to you constantly, it's ended up becoming this almost like self-fulfilling prophecy that he believes that he needs to be close to you at all times in order to feel safe and secure. Right. Um, okay. And how much exercise is he getting during the day? 
Um, I would say a decent amount. So we, he comes with me to pick up and drop off, and then we do a bit of a walk, um, or, like around that time, and then. Um, in between meetings during the day, I try to get him out again for another walk um, just to kind of exercise him. Or lately, we've been testing out the dog park to kind of um, kind of get some running in. And after school, we, we go to the park. So he's out quite a bit. But um, how, but, how long would you say those walks are typically? Um, like maybe 15 minutes. So he's getting a total of like 45 minutes to an hour a day? Like, yeah. Does that yeah. sound about right? Uh, yeah, exactly. And does it seem to be draining his energy for the most part? Like, does he still have a lot of excess energy when he's at home? Um, I would say that it, during the daytime when he's home with me, he definitely does seem sleepy and especially in the morning. Um, but then as the day goes on, he definitely has a bit of a witching hour in like the late afternoon evenings where he seems to have a bit more energy. <laughs> okay. And last question, have you done any intentional uh, training with him up until this point? Not in terms of uh, the boundaries and limitations that we're going to discuss, but just in terms of obedience and manners and uh, like, you know, any type of, type of outdoor training, like sit down, stay, leave it, drop it, recall, that sort of stuff. Yes, I have. So we've done sit and uh, down and we're working on off and leave it. And then I also try and do some like loose leash training with him when we go for walks. And now that we've started to go to the dog park, whenever we're there, I do some recall practice with him as well. Okay. And what are you, are you working with a trainer on those things or are you just basing it on like YouTube videos or reading that you've done online or what methodology are you using? I bought a book before we got him. So I've been doing mostly from what the book was um, telling me. And then I, I sometimes watch some YouTube videos, but we haven't done any formal training yet. And are you doing positive reinforcement? Is that, is that the approach yeah, that you've taken? That, that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. And does he seem to be pretty food motivated? Um, Yes, but he's also attention motivated. Like, yeah, he, obviously. <laughs> he loves a good pat on the head and a tummy rub. So we do both. But I, I, whenever I like come take him out of the house, I have like a little baggie of treats that I keep with me. Okay, perfect. So the, the next question is really how much restriction you're comfortable putting into place in order to alleviate the current issue, but also prevent future separation anxiety. So typically with young puppies, they thrive on having a very, very specific routine where they can anticipate when they're going to be able to drain physical exercise, when they can anticipate when they're going to have access to mental stimulation and challenge, you know, mental challenges. And they also want to be able to anticipate when they're going to be able to spend time with their family and play and exercise and cuddle and when they're going to be when they're going to have the, that independent time where they learn to self-soothe and be on their own and it's a lot easier when you are working out of the house because it forces you into a very set routine every day but during covid most people you know that have the opportunity to are working from home and it you know dysregulates everything so 
moving forward, what I would recommend is creating, even if it feels artificial, is creating a very specific schedule where you do training at a specific time every day, where you put him in either his crate or in an area on his own where he has restricted access to you specific times throughout the day, where you exercise him at specific times, where you he eats at specific times. Like everything should be very routine throughout the course of the day. And the first couple days are going to be a disaster. I mean, that's, that's always what ends up happening because you're throwing him, you know, completely out of a loop. He he has become accustomed to a, a variance of a specific routine, but the routine that has currently been uh, presented to him is creating this type of like intense attention seeking because he's constantly being rewarded for having be, for being close to you all the time. So he needs to build those life skills that he's going to need in adolescence and adulthood, which are, as I just mentioned, that ability to self-soothe and self-regulate and have some sort of independence and understand that he can seek that type of safety and security on his own, as opposed to having to get it from you or other members of your family at all times. Uh you know, right now he's still at a prime age that it's easy to introduce those concepts to him and he's still going to be very adaptable and it's going to be easy to switch him to a new routine. If you wait until he gets into adulthood, then it's going to be a lot more difficult to switch up that routine. So oh. right now, uh, you know, I'm sure you're still going to be a little resistant because it's it's difficult for your family and for to, you know, to watch him have that struggle for that first few days as you're as you're adapting, and you will see that he's probably going to be, uh, you know, he's going to whine, he's going to protest, he'll probably bark a little bit, he might. Right on cue. Um, no, he'll probably, you know, he'll probably bark a little bit. He won't understand why these changes have been made and why he doesn't have access to you because that's what he's had since he moved into your house. But once you are really consistent and you ensure that you're always putting him into his safe space and you're giving him something within that safe space that is really high value to him. So you know, what I would recommend is getting a specific toy or a specific treat that he never gets access to at any other time other than when he's being put into his safe space to have time on his own. And then he'll start to create a positive association with that space and start to look forward to the time of day where he gets to go there because he gets access to this special treat. Um, but I, you know, I would walk through a very specific routine. I don't know what your work schedule is like, but assuming that you're on a semi nine to five schedule, I, I would, you know, first thing in the morning, take him for a walk, come home, do 10 or 15 minutes of intentional obedience training because it will allow him to use his brain. And then he'll have had a physical walk. He'll have used his brain. And then after he's mentally and physically stimulated, he'll be in a position to better be able to relax and won't become overstimulated or over aroused. And then you can put him in whatever space you decide is going to be like his safe space. You can choose to use his crate since he's already accustomed to it, or you can just choose that he's going to be in a specific room or a different, a different area of the house than you're in while you're working during the day, put him in that space, give him access to that, that high value reward that he only gets at that specific time. And then 
when you are ready after two or three hours, take him out. You'll be able to take him for another walk, play with him a little bit, have that cuddle time, give him as much attention as he wants. So he still does get that attention that he wants from you. And the two of you still get to bond and play and have fun and and do all the things you enjoy doing. But it's only at specific times of the day. And it's not an expectation whenever the two of you are together. Okay. So just a couple questions on sure. all that because I think it it definitely makes sense and it's so funny because you say things like self-soothing and it brings you right back to kind of like the the uh, sleep training days. Well, that's exactly um, what it is. Exactly. So would you do it kind of like ripping off a Band-Aid and do it all at the same time and have like the routine and everything as well as the safe space all starting together or are there steps that I should take to kind of like ease him into it. And and then also from, in terms of that, that safe space, like, is it better if it's somewhere completely separate from me or if it's like I'm in the living room and he's in the kitchen, he can see me, it gives some comfort, but then he can't access me or should he be on a completely separate floor? So there's no, you know, there's no right answer to any of those questions. Okay. <laughs> it's it's really about just like with sleep training, it's really about what makes the most sense for you, what will allow you to be consistent and follow through and what will allow you to feel the most comfortable with the decisions that you're making. So, you know, just like with sleep training, some people choose to have the crib in their room, some people have a separate, you know, a separate room from the first day, some people co-sleep for the first couple of years. And all of those things are okay as long as it's not causing a problem for you or your family. So it's it's the exact same thing when you're doing any sort of crate training is that it's okay if the crate's in the same room as you. It's okay if the crate's in a completely different section of the house. It's okay if you choose not to use a crate and you just use another form of restriction. You could even put him like in a playpen that's just separated. You could put a baby gate up. You could even put him on leash and just have the leash tied to like a door frame or a piece of furniture that's 10 feet away from you. Like whatever, whatever it is that you choose to do, it's just about him having to be in a specific location that's a little separate from you at specific times throughout the day. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So the most important thing in the first step is going to be, I know that you said that this attachment that he has is mostly to you, except this is only going to be really successful if everyone that's within your household is somewhat consistent. I know it's a lot more difficult when you have yeah. kids because they, they, you know, they themselves don't have any impulse control, so they can't follow directions. No. <laughs> None. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really challenging when you have young kids because all they want to do is like play and run around with your dog all the time and cuddle and they don't understand why you're putting these restrictions in place. So, you know, you want to you want to try to explain that to your children, but ultimately it's up to the adults that are within the household to to follow through and ensure that the boundaries and expectations that you've put in place are, are met at all times. So, I don't I don't know who else you live with. You you have a partner? Yes, my husband. Okay. So, yeah, you just want to sit down with your husband and decide where that safe space is going to be. Uh, You also want to decide what times throughout the day he's going to be restricted to that safe space. And you also want to decide how long each of those walks is going to be, 
how long each of those training sessions is going to be a general idea of what time of the day they're going to be at. I know that there's going to be some variations to your day and maybe some days you'll take them for a walk at 830 and some days it'll be 10, but you just want to make sure that there's a consistent number of walks and that there's they're generally spaced out throughout the day. Okay. Yeah. I don't have like, um, I do work from home and I was working from home before COVID and will continue to afterwards, but I don't have like a set schedule. Sometimes I'm in meetings, you know, a couple meetings a day and sometimes I'm back to back the whole day. Right. It just, there's, there's never, never two days that are the same. Yeah, no, I understand that. And that's why you have to have some flexibility and also why, if that is the reality of your job, you have to have a dog that also has some sort of flexibility. Yeah. Right. So I definitely don't want you to create a schedule that's going to get in the way of your of your job or the other responsibilities you have in your life. But if you if you know that you're going to be able to go for at least three walks a day, you're obviously going to have to feed at specific times throughout the day. I would recommend doing two short training sessions daily. Okay. You know, even if those training sessions are only for five or 10 minutes and all you're doing is going through various obedience commands and as he perfects those obedience commands, you're just going to, you know, intentionally increase, uh, you know, the challenge for him. So let's say that you're working on a sit stay and you can the first week you can work on it for five seconds and then the second week you'll up it to 30 seconds. And then by week four, you'll be able to put him in a sit stay and leave the room for five minutes. Okay. Wow. So, and if if you want, I can send you uh, like what a sample routine might look like and, and what you would want, uh, you know, those kind of like obedience military drills throughout the day to, to look like and what your ultimate goals should be. Uh, it just makes it easier if you have a visual and you have, you know, specific directives to follow. That would be amazing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. But dogs, like children, really thrive on routine. And if he knows that he's going to have that interaction with you and he's going to be able to cuddle with you and play with you and go for walks with you and do training with you and do all of those things, and he knows when to anticipate that throughout the day, then the times that he's separated from you will be a lot easier for him. And he'll start to look forward to those times where he gets to just relax. Because you have to also look at it from his perspective is that if he's constantly attached to you and unable to really even have sound sleep because he's always kind of half awake to see where you're going and what you're doing. It it ends up beginning as this sort of, yeah, separation anxiety as we're describing it, but it will turn into a sort of dysregulated generalized anxiety. Right. And it it's even um, like, because I do want him to have that sleep, I'll sometimes like force myself to stay still. Like I'll, I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to hold it, <laughs> hold it in or, okay, let's go. We'll take a nap together so that he gets a good nap now. Right. You, you, you want to make sure that he gets enough sleep. Well, now I know you day. actually do sound like a mother to a newborn. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like lying on the couch and the baby falls asleep on your Yes. And then you just don't move for two hours and like, <laughs> Yes, that's exactly. It's funny because a friend of mine said to me, she's like, I'm pretty sure that you were like tougher with your children than you are with your dog. You are pandering to him 
way too much. I was like, I can't help it. I, I remember the days with having a newborn baby and you'd be, you know, you'd have the baby sleeping on your chest and you'd be like on your phone returning emails or text messages or something. And then your phone dies. And then you're just like lying there with nothing to do because you don't want no. to baby. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds quite scary <laughs> but, but you definitely but you don't want to move that. right and, like, and yeah. that was me as like a first time mother if I had another kid which I'm not going to but if I had another kid <laughs> I would definitely not do it the same way but this is a, a puppy we're talking about right? I know yeah <laughs> you, you don't want your dog to uh, you know, obviously you want your dog to be well rested, but you also shouldn't yeah. be like compromising what you need throughout the day in order to accommodate that either. There's no reason why those two things can't happen simultaneously. Right. And, and that's the, I, that's the beautiful thing about allowing your dog at several times throughout the day to have this calm, safe, you know, separate space, because then you can both do whatever you need and your dog's getting better, deeper rest. And you're able to move about the house without being concerned about disturbing him. Right. Okay. So, yeah. And, and I think that I kind of was like, well, you know, maybe he'll grow out of this, but it's like, I don't want to set him up for failure either. Right. No. And this, to be honest, is not, it's not one of those things that dogs will naturally grow out of because it's, how dogs typically work is that they adapt to whatever the routine is that's established within their lives, right? So if if the routine is that he follows you throughout the house every day and he's rewarded for that constantly because as he's following you throughout the house, you're petting him and you're paying attention to him and you're giving him praise. And, you know, there's all of this positive feedback that he's getting as he's following you throughout the house and as he's experiencing this anxiety, He's constantly being rewarded for it. So what's going to happen is that as he gets older, he's going to think that the way to access positive praise is through anxious behavior. Right. So yeah, we definitely don't want yeah, that. <laughs> so, so ultimately what happens is that he, as I said, the separation anxiety will turn into a generalized anxiety and you'll end up with an adult dog that is unable to relax. Right. And, you know, he's still very, 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 very young. So I, I, I wouldn't be concerned that you're anywhere near that point right now at all. Okay, good. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to scare you because the reality is that I have, you know, I have clients that contact me that have recently adopted rescues that are five, 10 years old that have that type of anxiety and it can still be treated at that point. So nothing's, nothing's permanent. It's just the right. longer that he has the opportunity to experience and practice specific emotions and behaviors, the more deeply ingrained it'll be. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, it's just going to be about consistency, routine, having safe, separate spaces and ensuring that he's never even unintentionally rewarded for displaying that type of anxiety. So when he is, you know, jumping on you or whining or, uh, you know, trying to get your attention, if you give him any type of positive feedback throughout that 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 experience, then it'll just encourage him to continue to perform that way. So a very simple way to just eliminate that is to make it almost like a black and white system where every time that he is calm and 
you know, just chill, that he gets unlimited amounts of affection and praise and love. And every time that he's showing a great deal of anxiety or attention seeking, you just ignore him. Okay. So on that kind of attention seeking, um, and that kind of goes back to one of my first questions, you know, when we're out for walks and he's kind of, he wants that attention and he's jumping up, it, it's, I find it so, and I, when I was reading the book, like initially, and it said, you know, that dogs don't really understand good attention and bad attention. They just understand attention. So the opposite of like praise is ignoring them, which is, sounds great in theory, but when your dog is like clawing at you and ripping your jacket or like trying to like really make himself known, how do you ignore that behavior? How do you just kind of try to continue on without causing like destruction or anything like that? So what you want to do in that situation is to create a replacement behavior that allows him the attention that he's looking for. So right now he's trying to get your attention any way that he knows how to. And that could be jumping and clawing and mouthing and all of these different things. But if in that moment you use your high value traits that you bring with you on your walk and you ask him for a sit and then, okay. and then the second that he kind of like calms down and sits in that moment, you give him a lot of positive attention. And then when he goes back to jumping and whatever, whatever, you're ignoring him, asking for a sit and then providing that that positive attention. Then what will end up happening after you create that replacement behavior sequence repeatedly is that whenever he wants attention, he'll know to go into a sit as opposed to doing the jumping behavior. Okay. Okay. Got it. That makes so, sense. I was like, I don't, I can't just ignore it, especially when it's on other people too, yeah, well, right? I mean, so I think that that's a great option. You shouldn't be ignoring it when it's on other people. But you also, yeah. you know, the, the worst thing that we can do with dogs and, and, and with children arguably as well is to say no without telling them what the acceptable or appropriate behavior is in that circumstance. Right? right. So if you're just constantly saying no, but you're not showing him the appropriate way to behave to get what he wants, then he's just going to try harder and harder and keep failing miserably. Yeah. He's like, please. Yeah. I don't know what else to do That's here. He's like, I want attention. I want attention. I want attention. I love you. I love you. I love you. But, and you just keep ignoring him or saying no, but he doesn't know how to get what he wants. So right. if you show him how to get what he wants, then he'll do that all the time because he just wants the attention. So if the only way to get attention from you, from strangers on the street, from your husband, from whoever, is to sit or lie down and remain calm, then suddenly you have a dog that's trying to sit and lie down and be calm constantly because that's how he gets attention. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you're just creating a replacement behavior. And, okay. and also just try and keep that in mind as like a, you know, a, a general overall way of looking at like dog communication and training is that if there's something that he's doing incessantly, that's an obnoxious behavior, as opposed to just trying to say no or remove him from the thing that he's doing, show him something else to do instead in that same circumstance. Okay. So like chewing the couch. Right. Maybe chewing a toy. No, yes. Give him something else that he is allowed to chew. Yeah. Right. Like the same with babies that are teething, right? You want to, as opposed to them eating rocks that are on the ground, you you give them something like you give them something that they're allowed to put in their mouth. (laughs) I'm fortunately out of that that phase. (laughs) 
of parenthood. Yes, I'm glad that I am as well, but I, I do remember it very clearly. Yes, we're, we're back there in, in some way, shape, or form. He's very interested in what's on the ground and picking up food yeah, and, yeah. And, and little bits of things. Um, and and, and, and uh, dog jaws are much stronger than baby jaws. Yes. <laughs> Pry it open. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, so I would try to, you know, make it as simplistic as possible. As I said, create you know, talk to your husband, create a routine. That routine has to include walking, exercise, like any type of exercise, whether it be play, off-leash, on-leash, whatever it is, something to drain physical energy. And then you need something that's going to drain mental energy. So that, that will be your training. That could be playing fetch. That just various things that will allow him to use his brain. And then you also need to have that that separate time throughout the course of the day. As long as you have those three things, then he'll fall into the routine really quickly. And he, he won't end up becoming, you know, overtired or overstimulated or over aroused or any of the, the, the overs that lead to that type of, uh, you know, sort of obsessive attention-seeking behavior. Okay. We are going to give this a shot. I will keep you posted on how it goes. And as I said, I'm happy to send you a sample routine if uh, if you think that'll be helpful. I think it would. Thanks, Sasha. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for for doing this with me. And I, I hope that you'll keep in touch and let me know how everything's going. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Take Thanks for listening. Are you looking to add a dog to your family? For a limited time only, listeners of Baby Puppy will receive 10% off our unique mutt-making package. Let us help you find the right breed, energy level, and temperament for your household based on your experience, expectations, routine, and personality. We always say there's no such thing as the perfect dog, but there is definitely a perfect dog for you. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, child or dog related, email info at meetyourmutt.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at meetyourmutt or visit the website at www.meetyourmutt.com. Remember, this podcast is just a baby or puppy. And as they say, it takes a village. So please rate and review. Happy parenting. Baby Puppy is hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Ashley Balin, production assistance by Koji Nagata, and theme song by Pink Distortion Music. Thank you.